Thank you so much for teaching our kids. I love it. I mean, I'm learning, you know, like, not like it's stuff we don't know, but still just the passion with which you share. It's really good, man. I really appreciate that. Uh, Trent's on his way. I don't think so. Oh, it's it's clicked? Check, check. Um, I just really appreciate Trenton uh, in general and also for agreeing to join me. He, he's got a little puffy Wait, cheeks. He had a... Uh, Is there something in my teeth? Why are you all looking at me? No, so man, you're good. You look great. Okay. okay. He, <laughs> I don't know. You want to tell him? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> he he had surgery yesterday, and um, so you know I would have completely understood if he said no, I can't do it this week. But I'm really glad that he is. Like you know, um, you're glad that I'm all puffed up. No, no, I'm not glad that you're puffed up. But I'm glad that you're here. But I think you're like I kind of think you're like setting an example of like not letting concern about how we're perceived prevent us from doing what God's called us to do. So I appreciate that. And I also appreciate Trenton in general because, uh, I mean, I moved here, we moved here in, uh, June of 2020 and he was one of the first guys I met that really just like engaged with me in the areas of Bible and theology. And, uh, I was really missing that for a long time. I mean, I had a few people back in Texas, but one of the first things I said to Joseph was, "Like, oh, you're like a you're a you're a PhD in, in uh, New Testament. That's so amazing. So, but you're like so interested in the Old Testament. So, what uh, kind of what parts of the Bible are you like most passionate about?" And he's like, "Jesus." <laughs> Is that what I said? Yeah, <laughs> I, I like, remember that. What else? What else? <laughs> yeah, that's right. When it's all about Jesus. But so tonight, uh, I really. Uh, I had talked to Travis last month and um, just to be like, just to put it out there, I've, I've been in a lot of churches and come to a time like this. And of course, you know, we all, we all celebrate Jesus' resurrection tomorrow, you know, as a church. And that's like, as it should be and for that. Uh, but I've, I've just been in a lot of contexts where it's like, I mean, I've learned about the biblical feasts, the, the Jewish feasts, uh, you know, Passover, uh, um, Sukkot in the fall, Feast of Tabernacles, and there's a bunch more. And I've just been in, in contexts where it's like the season comes and passes and there's just like your church and nothing's even said. And it's, it's all right. I get it. If you like, you know, if it's not something that you've learned about or, and I know you have, so I'm not looking at you like, oh, you haven't learned about it. But if it's not something that the, the leadership has learned about or has studied, it's like, you know, it's cool. I get it. Don't, you know, if you don't know, it's all right. Just don't, don't say, but, but it still kind of hurts my heart, you know, that we would not, that we would just overlook such seasons that are so highlighted in, in God's word. So right now, last night was Passover. It was also Good Friday. You might have known that. Uh, that's really cool this year. So the, the way it works with, Passover, it, it could follow on, it could fall on any day of the week, depending on the year. It's based on a lunar calendar. We'll get into that in a minute. But some years, like this year, it ha- just so happens to fall on Friday so that, uh, Passover and Good Friday come together, which is how we believe it was when Jesus died. So we're going to come back around to that. And, but that's just like really fun when it's like that because it kind of helps to highlight, um, what it's all about. So before, so what we're planning, what we're calling tonight's, uh, talk. Yeah. Consultation. Conversation. Yes. Conversation is, uh, three Passovers. And so we're going to talk about Passover in three different eras of human history from a biblical perspective, which would be the first Passover in the book of Exodus when God, when Moses God through Moses led the people of Israel out of, out of slavery in Egypt. The second Passover, Jesus' death and resurrection. And the third Passover, well, maybe you just got to wait and see what that one is. Uh, before we do, before we go any farther, I want to look at a verse, Genesis 114. Uh, we are going to look at a bunch of scripture, but we'll try to, uh, do it in a way that, 
I mean, I'm looking around this room while we're in worship, and I'm like, these, this is a mature group, you know? I think most of you probably have some familiarity already with what we're going to talk about. And so I guess I don't need to apologize for that we're going to look at a lot of scripture, right? Uh, or, but, but, you know, in some cases, there, there might be reasons to um, communicate it in, in, in a different way. But Genesis 1.14 what day is this? The fourth day? And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. I should say the firmament. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Now, what I want to focus on is what they're for. Uh, well, actually, they're for a bunch of things, aren't they? To separate the day from the night, but then there's four Things listed. Signs, otot in Hebrew. Uh, there were some signs in the heavens when Jesus came. And when he was born and when he died. The second word says for seasons. But uh, that word is the word, the Hebrew word moadim. And I was really interested when you, we were in prayer, near that last closing prayer, and you said, we're here for a meeting. That's what that word means. It's a meeting. It's an appointed time, an appointed place. And it also comes to have a special meeting in the Hebrew Bible, which is each of the Hebrew festivals is a moed. And together, moedim is plural. So together they are the moedim. All right. So when we read in Genesis 1.14, if we're a you know, Israelite in the, say, the 6th or 5th century BC, and we're reading the book of Genesis, and it says, there for Moedim, we know what Moedim are. There are these seven festivals that we celebrate every year. Those are the Moedim. So uh, that's something we're going to we're gonna be talking about. So you have anything to add? Anything to add? I'm learning as much as you all. <laughs> So we, we kind of went back and forth about like how we would do this. Would we just have a discussion? Would we just take turns or would we do like interview style? So we might here and there interrupt and ask a question. Um, so I don't know. Do you got a question? Um, not yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, so section one is the first Passover. And I want to read from Exodus 12. I'm going to read from Exodus 12, and, I'm going to, and we're going to look at Leviticus 23. Now, something that I realized as I was preparing this, and we both kind of prepared separately and together, was that the, um, the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is closely related with Passover, uh, they're mentioned in all four, not Genesis, but the other four books of the Pentateuch. And, and, and described, you know, like given as a command with some details. Each has a little bit different spin on it. Uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all four of them go into, you know, specific detail about the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So I'm going to read in Exodus tw 12, starting at the beginning. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Now let me pause, because I didn't even set this up at all. And most of you all may know this, but this is right in the middle of the, the narrative of where the, the Israelites are slaves in Egypt, and they're, they cry out to God. You know, They cry out to the God of their forefathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it says at the beginning of Exodus, he hears their cry. And then he calls Moses and he sends him in time as a deliverer. And the way he decides to set his people free from slavery is by uh, openly, uh, in a spectacle, inflicting judgment on the gods of Egypt. And so the 10 plagues that he sends are... I mean, there were a lot of gods in Egypt, so it's not like a specific catalog through all of them, but major, you know, the Nile was one of the gods of Egypt. Uh, the sun, so the plague of darkness, blotting out the sun, 
the sun was one of the major gods of Egypt, even the frogs. And, you know, these were all things that Egyptians worshipped. I don't know if every specific one was, but that sure. in general. And so now here we are getting ready for the 10th plague. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord, Yahweh, that is. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Let me read a little bit more. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations, as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts, which is a word for like armies or multitudes, out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. So this, this passage that we just, there's so, it's so rich, there's so much in there. Uh, but what we're kind of honing in on is these feasts, these Moedim. And there's two that were mentioned there, Passover, and celebrated on the 14th day of the first month. In the Torah, that month is called Abib, A-B-I-B, or sometimes A-V-I-V. Uh, later on, it be- comes to be called Nisan. Nisan is the, the current name for this month. And it's, it's a lunar calendar, so the month, every month begins with a new moon. And so the 14th day of any month in a lunar calendar is a full moon. And so Always. this was... This was part of God's design. And so if we go back to Genesis 1 and God said, I will set those lights in the heavens for signs and for seasons, for appointed times. This is one of those appointed times. God had a plan to bring his people out of slavery. And he said, that day that I'm going to bring them out of slavery, they need to be able to see where they're going. So let's have a full moon. All right. So... um. Then a second feast is mentioned, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this unleavened bread means there was no leaven, no yeast. And so they mix up the flour and just cook it right away. So it doesn't have time to rise. They didn't add any leaven to it. They didn't let it, you know, uh, ferment like sourdough. They just mix it up and cook it. And so you have flat, like crackers, like matzah. You heard of matzah? Uh, So there's a third feast. So there's three feasts that go together this weekend. 
All right. So it's interesting this month. What's today? The 16th? So today's the 16th of April, is it? It's also the 15th of Nisan, or in the biblical naming, the 15th of Aviv. So yesterday was the 14th of Aviv, or the 14th of Nisan, and that's when he said to celebrate the Passover. And then today is the 15th of Nisan, which is the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Unleavened Bread goes for seven days. And then on the first and the seventh can I, day... Can I interrupt you? Please. Um, I'm just... Uh, Am I getting too, too much in there? Uh, can you... Is it easy? For, are you able to uh, explain briefly where Jesus shows up and or is pointed to in what you just read? Or were you going to do that later? Yeah, I, I thought we would get to that. Okay. But um, do you think now is a good time for it? Well, because you just read it. Yeah. That's all. Well, you don't how have about, yet. can you? Uh, I could give some points. Yeah. Um, Jesus is called the Lamb of God. John called him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And, uh, and John the Baptist. John the Baptist, thank you. Mm-hmm. And so here we have a lamb. It has to be a male. It has to be a year old. Um, I've heard different thoughts. I don't actually know how old lambs live, but I've heard that's like the prime of their life or it's like prime for sacrifice. I don't know how it is, but just the idea of Jesus in a sense was in his prime and, mm-hmm. and the lamb was in a sense in their prime. And uh, the blood and the blood, Jesus' blood makes atonement. And the blood of the lamb here is uh, provides a, a covering and uh, there's different passages in the Bible that talk about us, our sins being covered by the blood of Jesus. And so yes. the blood on the doorposts, in a sense, covered that home so that when the Lord passed over, he passed over those homes. There's that, that's the name for Passover right there. Yes. The Lord passing over the homes. And so in a sense, when we apply the blood of Jesus to our hearts, the judgment of the Lord that we rightly deserve passes over us. Right. What yeah. You, any other thoughts? That's great. We'll, we'll uh, build on that okay. as we go along. Uh, so the, I said there's, there's three feasts that all go together this weekend. The first one is Passover on the 14th. Then on the 15th is the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it really begins with the Passover meal which is, it's on the 14th, but it's like the end of the day on the 14th. So if you don't know this, the, uh, the normal, the Jewish day starts at sundown, like the biblical Jewish day or traditional Jewish day. And so the end of the day of the 14th is in the evening when the sun is getting ready to go down. So as the sun is setting at the end of the 14th is when the Passover meal is eaten. And then that also is the beginning of the 15th. So that the fe- the feast of unleavened bread, which starts at the be- at, at um, on the fifteenth, really starts with the Passover meal, and then there's one more, and I'm going to read in Leviticus twenty three. Uh, le- I'll just start in verse four because I I mentioned that this is reiterated throughout the Torah. It's emphasized. It's important. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations. Right before this, it mentions the Sabbath, which is, uh, in traditional Jewish thought is like the main, the big that, you know, even though it's every week, in some ways it's like the high, the highlight, you know. Then after that, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at twilight is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall, do no, you shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. All right, so here's where it's going to start talking about this other, this third festival within the weekend. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, 
I'm starting in, I'm in verse 10 now. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And this is the barley harvest. So it's like the first, you know, as you're going into your field, all right, barley's ripe, we're going to harvest it. The first one you cut, take that one to the priest. The first like branch sheaf, it says. I mean, barley's like a, a grass, it's a grain, right? So it's a picture. I don't even know what barley looks like. Does anyone know what barley looks like? What? Yeah, it's a grain. Yeah, yeah. So you take the first one, the first stock you cut, you take it to the priest. And the pre- and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord, so that you may be accepted. This is verse 11. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old without blemish, as a burnt offering to the Lord. This is in addition to the one that was offered on the 14th. And this one is for the whole um, community of Israel. That's my understanding. And the grain offering, and it goes on to give some more information on on what else is offered. Does the Feast of First Fruits always follow, does it always take place two days or like on the next Sabbath after the Passover? That's a good question. So the... uh, there was a controversy over this question because it says right here, on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Well, to my ears and probably to most of us, it sounds like, okay, so Sunday, right? Because Sabbath is on Saturday. Uh, well, when there was the, the Jewish understanding of the feasts came to understand, came to view each of the days in which there was no prescribed that there would be no work and a holy convocation as a Sabbath also, as like a type of Sabbath. So there could be like a Sabbath in the middle of the week. Right, but not the weekly Sabbath. Right. So it just we were just talking about, I was just talking about uh, the 14th of Nisan is the Passover meal. The 15th is the first day of unleavened bread, and it's a holy convocation, and there's no ordinary work. So, you know. Whether like, it's on a Monday or a Tuesday yeah, or a Thursday. Exactly. So it could be any day of the week. Now, the controversy was that which Sabbath is it talking about? So let's say Passover is on a Tuesday. That means Wednesday is the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is like a Sabbath. It's, some people just call it a Sabbath. It, when it says the day after the Sabbath, is it Thursday? Or is it saying wait until the weekly Sabbath after the feast starts? So in the middle of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then it's the Sunday after that. Okay, so the Pharisees who, despite the, uh, the Pharisees thought it was the, it would be when, it would be Wednesday. So they thought it was just basically the 16th of Nisan. So whatever day of the week Passover's on, the next day is the first day of unleavened bread. The day after that is first fruits. The Sadducees who had control of the temple at the time of Jesus believed it was the weekly Sabbath that it was pointing to. So in, in any given year, they could be out of sync on which day was the day for first fruits. However, in a day, in a year like this year, when Passover is on Friday, then the first day of first fruits is on the same day as the weekly Sabbath. And then the 16th is on Sunday. So, wow. <laughs> That's amazing. That reminds me of another time in history when the 14th of Nisan fell on a Friday. Wow, okay. Anyways, just aside. So, um, wow, time flies. I know. Yep. Man. We were going to talk about some, uh, some of the customs for, for Passover, so let me just touch on them briefly because some of them will come back around. Uh, there's a, a Seder. It's a celebration. Like the family gathers, has a special meal. There's certain things you eat. You eat uh, matzah. You eat some bitter herbs, which is usually horseradish. Uh, there's some other things. And um, wine features largely in it. There's four important cups of wine. And then the story is told of the Exodus. So every year, this is, this is commanded in the Torah. Tell your sons and your daughters uh, what happened when God brought you out of Egypt. 
So the Jewish people is, for is that how they do it today? Yeah, that's right. For, so for thousands of years, Jewish people around the world, whether most of them are not followers of Yeshua, well, of course there are also Jewish people who are not um, observant at all. But those who are observant continue every year to celebrate this feast and to tell their children the story of the Exodus and God's deliverance. I, uh, I'm, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it as if I don't. Um, so, like, I've heard about the Passover, that there's this, like, part of it, the way they practice it, that the youngest gets to open the door in expectation of someone. Who, who are they doing that right. for? Uh, so, in Malachi, you might remember, it says, uh, the prophet Elijah will come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Well, in some way, in Jewish thought, this became associated with Passover. So at, pass, at the Passover Seder in every home, or, uh, there's an extra, ta- extra spot set at the table for Elijah with a cup of wine. And at some point in the Seder, uh, you know, the, the dad or the grandfather might ask, tell the kids, why don't you go look outside and see if Elijah's there? Elijah's here. Because they ex- and it's looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. So Passover, even in Jewish tradition, has become a day in which there's an expectation of the coming of the Messiah. And so they'll look outside. Um, as far as I know, every time this has been done so far, they've said, nope, he's not there. I don't know of any exceptions. <laughs> and so they say, okay, well, maybe next year. Come back in. Um, one more thing. Or a couple more things. Eliminate all the comets. Comets is the word for yeast or for anything leavened. So you hunt, you search through the whole house and make sure you get all the comets or all the yeast out of the house. And then there's some psalms that are read. And I brought, uh, I have a couple of Passover Haggadahs. This one, it says, the Hallel, this group of psalms is called, a series of psalms, 113 through 118, which the Levites chanted in the temple during the offering of the Paschal lamb. It's from the Mishnah, which was written around in the second century uh, AD. So that will come back around. And then finally, the counting of, of the Omer. I know it's a lot of information, but the Omer is the sheaf. So the sheaf of barley that was cut, taken to the priest, and he waved, that's called an Omer in Hebrew. And so that is the first day to start counting and then you count seven full weeks, and then the day after the seventh Sabbath is what holiday? Forty seven times seven is forty nine plus one is fifty. Pentecost. That's right. Also known as Shavuot, which is Hebrew for weeks. So okay, well let's shift. You asked me a minute ago, where's Jesus in all this? So what does the Passover have to do with Jesus? Are you asking me? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Am I going into my... Yeah, man. Okay. Hold on. Like, so... Am I doing two and three combined? Uh, no. Um, what does the Passover have to do with Jesus? Let's focus on the Gospels. So... Um, Hi. I'm going to go to uh, John... 12. And I might cite Matthew a little bit. One of the reasons I wanted Trenton to partner with me is because in some of this stuff, when we talk about it, I recognize he has a, a better grasp on some. And this is one of the examples. And that's also why I just kept my mouth shut for the past <laughs> whole while. <laughs> uh, so in in uh, John 12, uh, the triumphal entry, this is the day after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. I hope I'm not too distracting with my speech here, but so I'll just start reading at verse 12. The next day, that is after Lazarus rose from the dead, Jesus raised him. The large crowd that had, that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So... They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of kings. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. So this is the start of what's called the Passion Week, which is the the week leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's talking about the feast. So there's Jews coming to the feast, and John doesn't say it explicitly, but everyone who would be reading this and understanding the context knows the, the Passover feast and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it, then It says it in, in verse 1. Right. Six days before Six the Passover. Six days before the Passover. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so something kind of cool, cool here is that John quotes uh, Zechariah. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming sitting on a donkey's colt. That's a mess- famous messianic prophecy. And then he, um, and he also has the crowd saying these things. But then John says uh, his disciples did not understand these things. Then they remembered that these things had been written. So that's plural, these things, which is interesting because when quoting Zechariah, it's just one passage, just as it is written, but then he says these things. So why is it talking about these things? Because Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is also a thing written about Jesus. And what's amazing is the crowd knew that. So the crowd, so Hosanna, if you didn't know, I actually didn't know this until recently, which is a little bit embarrassing for me because I should have known this longer, but is from a Hebrew word meaning he saves. And so, and then it has a, a uh, suffix attached to it meaning please. So it's actually please save us. That's right, yeah. Or save us, we pray, that kind of idea. And so they're declaring to Jesus, as he's riding in Jerusalem, save us. And they're citing the Psalm 118, which is which the priests would, there's a liturgy for it in the temple, every Passover celebration. So there's the Passover expectations of a Messiah. And at this Passover, as Jesus is riding into Jerusalem in fulfillment of Scripture, the crowd recognizes that and is saying, basically, you're our Messiah. Blessed are you who is coming in the name That's of the right. Lord. Save us, please. Yes. And their expectation is salvation from the Romans. And Jesus, it seems, kind of goes along with that, but he knows better. And and so the uh, why... Can I pause you for yeah, a man. moment? Because this is, this is something he shared with me last week, and I didn't know. And I just... We, we had our, a little like mini Seder last night. Um, we had a friend who wanted to do it. We're like, all right, yeah, let's do it. It's great. And it's really fun for the kids. It's learning. It's worshipful, you know. So I have a, like I said, I have a couple Haggadahs. And this is one of them. It's Art Scroll Masora. It's like official, you know, used by a bunch of, you know, uh, probably even conservative, uh, even Orthodox uh, Jewish homes. And so in the Hillel Psalms, you got all, all six of them written out in here. In Hebrew on one side and English on the other, so you take your pick. The last one is this Psalm 118. And when it, it's like halfway through the Psalm, it gets, it's like this, uh, climax building. It gets to a point, it starts repeating every line. So by the time we get to this verse, to what's quoted in this verse, it says, it says Hashem means the name, it means Lord. Oh Lord, please save us. Repeated. Oh Lord, please save us. Oh Lord, please make us prosper. Oh Lord, please make us prosper. Blessed be he who comes in the name of, of Hashem, the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. And it repeats it. Blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is read every year in conservative Orthodox and Orthodox Jewish homes and Reformed Jewish homes. I just find that amazing. So go ahead. So what's, what's further amazing about that, just to recap, the Jews 
under, were in this moment declaring him to be their Messiah. Right. They actually got that right. They, what they didn't understand was that his coming was as a suffering servant first. But one thing that's kind of crazy is in Matthew's version of this, in Matthew uh, 21, it has, he has the same triumphal entry story. And the crowds again are saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A couple chapters later, Jesus delivers this blistering sermon against the religious leaders where he's a woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And uh, and then after that, um, I'll just read this at verse 30, 23 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. because they didn't recognize him. So in a sense, they recognized him as their Messiah, but they didn't actually recognize him as who he truly was. It was, I don't even know how to quite tease it out, but there was this sort of like superficial recognition and it wasn't really a true submission to him as their Messiah in truth. And this is what he tells them. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So what that means is that Jesus is saying, your understanding of me was correct in a sense, but I'm not coming that way until you truly worship me as Lord. And so, just... Um, in a sense, I don't know if I'll get in trouble for this or not. Not that you would get me in trouble, but just that, like, whether this is... I'm just going to go here. Jesus can't come back in five minutes. Yeah. Because they're not... His people aren't saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord yet. Right. So that'll be a, a... both a sign, but it's also something... This is an area we wanted to go. This is something that we, as true followers of the Jewish Messiah, can labor with Jesus for, for his people to recognize him and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That that's actually something really important to Jesus. He's not coming back until they recognize him. And he's going to come back as the Passover deliverer that they thought he was coming as. And so they, they got it wrong about his first coming, but so often we can get it wrong about his second coming. They they got that part right. And so he cares about his his people and he's going to come back for them. And we can choose to agree with his heart as a deliverer of his people. The Passover delivered in the same way that the people of Israel were delivered from Egypt with the first Passover, in the same way that provision was made for the whole world to be delivered from our sins with the second Passover when Jesus himself was offered as our Passover lamb. In a similar way, he's coming again as the Passover deliverer to bring his people out of slavery and bondage. And there will be a... This is, a, this is something that maybe new to us, there will be a literal exodus again of God bringing his people out of exile. And that's something that um, is actually quite clear in different places. And I'll just go to a couple to help us understand this. You have questions yeah, or comments? It, Shoot. Um, I'm yeah, gonna go if, to if you wouldn't have said, I'll go to a couple, I would have said, what are a couple of those, Trenton? <laughs> Let's go to Isaiah 11. So just as I'm not going to read it all because it's too much. It'll take too long. Um, I'd encourage you to. But the context of Isaiah 11, it's a messianic prophecy about Jesus. It's called the stump of Jesse. So the son of Jesse, who's David, son of David. And it lists all these amazing things 
about the Messiah bringing world peace. And it describes what life will be like one day that clearly is not like now, of peace on earth. Then we get to verse 10. It says, in that day. So which day? Well, the day that was just being described, the day well, of, of global peace. Maybe we can go back and at least read a little of that. Verse 6, the wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the coat, the, the young goat. Uh, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Verse 9, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. It's going to be perfect. But in the day when Jesus will come to make things perfect, he will stand as a signal for the peoples that it could also be translated banner or standard, like a battle flag almost, that people are drawn to and that they see. Mm-hmm. Of him shall the nations inquire. That The emphasis is of him. As in, no longer will the nations be inquiring of their own gods. They're going to be inquiring of Jesus. They're going to be worshiping Jesus. They're going to be seeking for Jesus. And Jesus' resting place shall be glorious. So we know in other places that his, his chosen resting place is Zion. Psalm 110 says that very clearly. There's other places. And it's not yet glorious. But it will be. In that, and here's the second Exodus part. And the phrase second it is, can, can be a bit of a misnomer because the people were brought out of Babylon as well. And in a sense, the people were brought back to the modern state of Israel today. But the, the way the Bible describes this future next, again, Exodus, is in language comparable to the Exodus story in the book of Exodus. So that's why I, I and others may use the term second Exodus, but it doesn't mean, it just means it's, it's as significant and special as that one was with as many signs and wonders and as identity forming as that one was. Yeah, that's right. In, the, in that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time. It can say again. <laughs> it could be translated again, yet again, to recover the remnant that remains of his people from all these places. Which places? <laughs> Iran, Iraq, Egypt, Southern Egypt, uh, Syria, Ethiopia, Ethiopia, etc. The Middle East. So it suggests this is another kind of like thing is that this Jesus is going to visit the Middle Eastern nations and rescue his people from the Middle Eastern nations. Any questions or should I keep running? Well, um, we definitely like overestimated how much we could cover this evening. Mm-hmm. And so I think if it's all right with you, I think we should come back around to the first coming of Jesus and some of the, you know, highlights of what's going on there. So for example, like what day did Jesus was Jesus crucified? On the 14th of Nisan. What, how do we know that? What time? What time was he crucified? Does anyone remember? It says. Huh? Doesn't it say? What time he died, I think. What? 3 p.m. What was happening in the temple at 3 p.m., Joseph? Uh, so if you remember the, the sacrifice of the Passover lamb, it said to do it at twilight, right? But what happened in the second temple, which is around the, during the time of Jesus, it was the second temple. Solomon's temple was destroyed. Another one was built. So it's called the second temple. Uh, there was a, they, they wanted the priests to be able to finish all, all their cleanup and get home to their families before the Sabbath, before the holy day started. And so they actually moved the time of, of sacrifice forward. And this was also for the I think for the daily sacrifice, or maybe it was just on the day of preparation before Shabbat. Well, when there was overlap with festivals and Sabbaths, then they would move stuff They would move or... the time of the sacrifice forward to about 3 p.m. Yeah. So when Jesus was dying on the cross is when the lambs were being sacrificed in the temple. So what? The lambs that pointed to him on the cross. What, what day was Jesus uh, buried in the ground? On the 
day of preparation. But and then he stayed in there all through the 15th of Nisan, which is the day of unleavened bread. So there, I'm going to say it in a minute. Jen, um, maybe you could bring out or start. I don't know how long it's going to take you. It'll be a couple minutes still. Uh, we're going to share communion together and we're going to use matzah because it's that time of year. And the first communion that was led, again, just like the Passover and unleavened bread is mentioned in four books of the Bible. Communion, Jesus' institution of the communion is mentioned in my count four books of the Bible. It's not mentioned in John, but it is in Corinthians. But it's mentioned in First Corinthians. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and First Corinthians, chapter eleven. You can look it up. Uh, that was a Passover. I mean, it may. It's unclear whether it was. It says in Mark it was a Passover meal. Yeah, so with the Last Supper. It's a little. It's a little there's, complicated. There's debate. The timing, but it was. It was Passover time. You know, and so. Um, and so it's appropriate for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to at least participate to some degree in this element of the, of the Passover meal, which is unleavened bread. And then the, the wine, you know, which is such a big feature of a Passover Seder. And he says, uh, he, re- he lifts the cup after the meal. The cup after the meal in a Passover Seder is the third cup of wine which you down them all. It's called the cup of redemption. So Jesus lifted up the cup of redemption and he said, this is the blood of my covenant. This Was that how it goes? Yeah, mm-hmm. this is the blood of my covenant. Do this in remembrance of so me. what day was Jesus raised from the dead? On the day of first fruits. That's right. So if you read in, um, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 and the next few verses, Paul is arguing with the, the Corinthians about the resurrection because there were some who didn't believe the dead would be raised. And he said, if the dead aren't raised, then we're to be pitied above all people because we put our hope in something that's not going to happen. But in fact, the dead are raised and Christ was raised as the first fruits. So P- Paul didn't just say he was raised as the first fruits because he was the first to be raised. That was part of it. But he also said that because he was raised on the Feast of First Fruits. So Jesus said in John 12, uh, some Greeks, which probably means some Jews from somewhere else who spoke Greek, in John 12 wanted to talk to him. And in verse 23, he answers them and he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Well, first fruits is from a seed which was sown into the earth. It dies, it's sown into the earth, it dies, and then it brings forth fruit. What else did Jesus say in, in the Gospel of John? He said many there's, many, there's several, I think there's seven I am statements. One of them is, I am the bread of life. So when I celebrate communion with my kids, my wife, I we often will bring together this, these Jewish customs and the blessings over the bread. The blessing over the bread, the traditional blessing over the bread in Hebrew. In fact, let's do it, and then I'll talk about it as we go. So can you pass out the, the matzah? Yeah, please. And um, I need a big one. Do we have a? Yeah. You, why don't you go ahead? So well, I'll just share. So when Jews celebrate the Passover, they're doing it in remembrance of the first Exodus, and they're also looking forward to the next Exodus when they will be delivered by their Messiah. We know that he already came. And so, so often we celebrate communion to commemorate what Jesus has done for us. But it's also appropriate to celebrate communion looking forward like the Jews are looking forward. And we're also looking forward to Jesus' coming when he will come as the Passover deliverer. 
I'm not going to eat the whole thing. So um, we really felt as we were preparing that what one of the things the Holy Spirit was emphasizing is freedom. And so the first Passover, the Jewish people, the people of Israel were led out of slavery into freedom. That's what, the, that's what happened. That's the reason for this festival. When Jesus died, it's okay, guys. Don't worry. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for our freedom, right? He died to set us free, free from sin, free from death, free from sickness, free from all kinds of oppression. When Jesus comes again, he's coming to rescue his people from the enemy, from all kinds of enemies, human enemies, spiritual enemies. Giant enemies. That's right. He will rescue us from giant enemies. So the, the, as, we, as we begin to take communion, first I want to invite you to consider, is there some area in your own life, in your own heart, where you need to be set free? And if so, we're going to pray in a moment, and I want to invite you to lift that up to the Lord. Or it may be that it's your family, your, or maybe someone in your family. Another thing I didn't mention in the, in the Passover Seder, it's a tradition to invite people in. So it said, uh, if your family's too small, join up with your neighbors, you know. So invite people into your home. So, you know, expand the, you can expand the boundaries of that a little. A friend, someone who's close that needs freedom in some area. Like, let's, let's join together and let's do this in faith. Because when the Passover lamb's blood was put on the door frame, it was for the whole family. Okay, So uh, first let's pray into that. Um, do you want to lead us? In, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying or should I just go and pray? Okay. So, Lord, thank you so much once again for sending your son who died for us. Lord, we come to you right now and we bear in mind these areas in which we still need to be set free. If you, you can, you can quietly speak it out on your, put it on your lips and say that what it is that you are bringing before him right now. Kids, you can also pray for someone in your family. You can ask God to set us free, someone that needs to be healed, or he also sets us free from sin. So that's something else we can pray right now, that God would set us free from our own sin. So the, here's the blessing for the bread. I'm, I'll say it in English first. It means, uh, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And I just find that so fitting because Jesus was buried in the earth and he came forth from the earth. And when we eat communion, we're eating of his body. So let me say it in Hebrew, and then I'll, I'll go in and pray and, and bless the bread for us to eat. Baruch Adonai. Oh, wait, Zeke, you want to say it? Zeke was going to say it. You want to say it? Let's say it together. Or you can go ahead. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Olam, Hamutz. What's it mean? Blessed are you, you, our Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. That's right. Wait, but I thought you were going to sing it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) After he sings it, we'll all together say, Amen. Together. Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And thank you, Father, that you sent your Son, whose body was broken for us, for the healing of our bodies and the resurrection from the dead. Jen wants me to talk about the afikomen. All right, so there's a... And then we're going to do the juice, and you can pass out the juice. 
uh, there's a tradition, a Jewish tradition at the Passover Seder where there will, there's a special napkin that has three matzah crackers. The middle one is taken out, broken in, I think it's before the Seder or sometime during it early. It's taken out, broken in half, and half of it is wrapped in a white linen cloth and hidden somewhere in the house. Then later on in the Seder, the, uh, I don't know how they how they do it if they say, oh, part of the, you know, matzah's missing. I don't know how they do it. But the kids get to go and look for the for the afikoman. It's called the afikoman. I didn't even look up what that means. But um, then when they find it, they say, okay, good. And they unwrap it and they ransom it from the kids. They'll give them a coin or some chocolate or something. And the um, the amazing thing about this is how it matches up with Jesus because there's three pieces of bread and then we have the father, the son, and the spirit. Jesus is the middle, you know, partner in, in God's person. And his body was broken. He was wrapped in a white shroud and buried. And then he was brought forward. And um, so we, we believe that, I believe that this actual, this tradition actually goes back to the uh, Jewish followers of Jesus in the first century because they lived in Galilee. The Mishnah was written in the Galilee. And so that's my professor at, at my seminary. I also believe that. So the Zeke, do you want to say the blessing for the Jews? Sing it. Can you sing it? And again, after he sings it, we'll together say, Amen. Barukatadonai, Elohenu Melechalam, Bore Prihagafen. Amen. You want to translate it for us? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. And thank you, Father, that you sent your Son, whose blood was shed for us, for the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of eternal life. Hallelujah. He's risen. <laughs> That's for tomorrow. But. Do you have any other comments? or Are we done? I think I, I'm just going to share this. Yeah. <clears throat> so one of, one, of, uh, one of the penners five minutes ago said, and from G-I-A-N-T enemies, I'm spelling it so that he doesn't hear me talking about him. Um, <laughs> we, before we um, before we knew about his uh, diagnosis uh, condition, if you will, we were at IHOP. We heard a prophetic word for over him that he, the person had a picture of him limping with a giant. He was dragging a giant who was holding onto his foot. And he had smashed it, but he had a limp, and it was just hanging on a bit. And then he just turned and just blew it away. And then it was after that that we, like, went through that, like, if you heard us share about it, just a roller coaster of emotions learning about um, who he is. Um, but a lot of, but the roller coaster of emotions was largely because we thought we were losing him because he was becoming emotionally withdrawn and distant really fast mm -hmm. and we were just like crying out to god and god basically gave him back to us yeah. that's how we see it so just to hear him say that now yeah. and just remember that i was just like oh thank you jesus he delivers us even from the giant enemies amen and i i think he's saying that as a even just a prophetic word over himself i that's how i feel but just a thought Joey has something to say. Say something. Okay. Why don't you hold the mic What would you like to say? Jesus is king. Whatever's in your heart, buddy. Yeah, okay. 
Um, I don't know what to say. Oh. You can tell uh, 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 I just forgot what, what it did. What happened? Uh, Where did he die? He died on the first because we were doing bad things. So, a few months ago, he rose up from heaven. Yes. He died because we were doing bad things, and a few months ago, he rose up to heaven. Well, these guys are awesome. All our kids are awesome. Um, so, I know we, they gave us a mouthful and then some. Um, we might have eaten flat, unleavened uh, bread, the matzah, but I feel like they gave us a huge loaf. Um, and we look forward to more. And I'd like us to continue to celebrate the feasts and observe them. Remember, we had a, uh, we celebrated Feast of Tabernacles. We all camped out a few years ago. Uh, well, not everybody stayed the whole night, but it was an awesome night. Um, anyway, I want to thank these two. And I actually have a couple housekeeping things.